Welcome to Langstaff Online. My name is Michael De Silva, and I am your host for episode 49. In this episode, I plan to take up an important aspect of biblical history. My message is entitled, Jesus, the True Origin Story. Do we really know which story forms the lens by which we read and understand the rest of the Bible? Where is the true beginning or new beginning? I hope this episode will shed light on this subject. Are you looking for a new beginning? Sometimes we're all looking for one. Perhaps it's a new car, a home, a relationship, or even an occupation. We do the research. Hopefully we pray about it as Christians. But ultimately, there are times in our life where we believe that a new beginning is needed. Sometimes it's true, and we do need one. And sometimes it's likely not true. Then there are new beginnings that we didn't ask for, but of which we had no choice in the matter. Perhaps it's losing a loved one. I can think of my grandfather who played a memorable role in my life. I was thinking of September 11. Because of that day, we do air travel differently from that time, 2001, to the present day. COVID-19 will be no different. This global crisis in our generation will change and has changed the way we do everything, from shopping to careers to schooling to church life and worship, to even spending time with family and friends. Some things will survive but will be different, while other things will simply not return. What about a new beginning that we as human beings desperately need, and as Christians should live in the light of? That is the focus of my podcast today. When you think of a subject like beginning or new beginning, where does your mind take you to in Scripture? Perhaps Genesis, maybe even Revelation. Those are great books to start with, but they are the bookends. The beginning or new beginning of Scripture, I believe, is found in the middle. Greek and Roman culture taught history through a linear lens, but the Jews were taught history from God through cycles. I don't have the time to explain this in detail, but suffice to say, you often find the answer in Scripture in the very middle of the argument. Where is the middle for us as it relates to this subject of beginning? I believe the answer to it is the four Gospels. You see, the four Gospels are a recapitulation of the same story. Now, that is a big word. It has a very simple meaning. Basically, it is looking at uh, history through a specific lens. And when you study the Word of God, you know that God has actually organized His Word in a way that we often have very important events recapitulated. Let me give you a few examples. Genesis 1. What is the story of that chapter? The story of the chapter is about creation. Good. What about Genesis chapter 2? It's interesting when we go one chapter uh, forward, it seems like people forget what the chapter is about. Chapter 2 is the story of creation all over again, except this time it is a focus on the creation of man and the creation of woman. We call this a recapitulation. Chapter 1 gives us creation through one lens. Chapter 2 gives us creation through a second lens. As you go through the Hebrew Scriptures, another great example that comes out is the Book of Kings and the Book of Chronicles. The reason why we have a first and second is because the scrolls were too big, so they divided the book up 
But the book of Kings, made up of first and second, and the book of Chronicles, made up of first and second, are really recapitulations of each other. And so as we move from the Hebrew Scriptures into the New Testament, we see that with the most important event in human history, an event that I will refer to a few times today as the Christ event, the birth, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension, we see that there are not two recapitulations. We see that this story is so important to the context of Holy Scriptures that we have four recapitulations. So, let's look at them. And I just want to spend today uh, uh, investigating what these four evangelists used for their beginnings. What was the lens that they were looking at, Jesus, and what do we learn from that lens? Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1. This is what we read. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. This word genealogy in the Greek is the word Genesis. In the Septuagint, the Greek version of the Hebrew Scriptures, the first book of our Bible written by Moses is the same word. It is the word Genesis, which means origin. Ironically, there are only two references to that word in that book. The first one is in Genesis 2 and 4, which says the genealogy or the genesis of the heavens and the earth. In Genesis 5, we read this is the genealogy or the genesis of Adam's line. So we learn here that Matthew places a heavy uh, emphasis on who Jesus is in the story. He is saying this is the book of the origin of Jesus Christ. The other thing he writes about is the title that is given to Jesus' name, which is also a link to the lens and theme that he's going to focus on, and it is the title of Christ. Christ is not his last name, it is his title. And in the Hebrew Scriptures, that word means Mashiach, which means anointed one, and in the Hebrew Scriptures, the people who were anointed were prophet, priest, and king, and just like 1 Corinthians 13, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love, the greatest of those three titles is king. So whenever you read Jesus Christ, you can equally read it as Jesus the king. So this is the book of the origin of Jesus the king, the son of David, the son of Abraham. You think Abraham would go first because he's the older one, but Matthew wants us to remember that Jesus is a son of David. David was the king. A king was a son of God. That's what they were remembered as. And so David was the mediator between God and his people. This Jesus king, this origin story that we're learning about here from Matthew the evangelist, he is telling us that Jesus is the son of David. He is going to be the final fulfillment, the great mediator between God and man. And of course, as a son of Abraham, we're reminded that Jesus is going to fulfill what he promised to the father of faith. And we have to remember that all prophecies fulfillment finds its rest in Jesus Christ. So what is Matthew saying here in his introduction? I believe Matthew's trying to tell us, he's trying to say this, what I'm about to tell you in my book is so cataclysmic that the only thing that parallels it is the beginning of all of mankind. You see, for Matthew, the beginning of new creation is something that he terms the kingdom of God. And so I want to make the claim that the true origin story of the Bible 
is actually Jesus and his kingdom. Israel, in the Hebrew scriptures, was called to be a signpost. It's like uh, on my way to Florida, it's a sign that says these many miles to Florida. Israel was that signpost pointing to its reality. And they were trying to point the world, the call that God raised them for as a priesthood, was to point the world to the arrival of the king, who's Jesus, and his kingdom. Whereas we, on this side of the cross, the church, are called to be signposts again. This time, we are pointing the world to the king, Jesus, and to the consummation of that kingdom, seen in its fullness. And so the center of human history, the origin story itself, is actually not the story of Adam and Eve, as I'll later suggest. The origin story is the Christ event, these four recapitulations. That's why it's such a significant part of our biblical history. The birth, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension to the throne room of God forms the origin story. And that's why Matthew uses that word, this is the Genesis, the origin of Jesus Christ. What about Mark? John Mark writes in chapter 1 and verse 1, he says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This word is the word that is used in Genesis 1 and 1. Mark, Luke, and John will all begin their recapitulations of Jesus' life through this very same lens. So you can see, all of them think of these stories as origins or as beginnings. So this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I'm going to give you a little story of illustration it might help you understand what Mark is actually saying, because it's quite significant. The Prean calendar inscription is an inscription in stone that was recovered in Prean, which is an ancient Greek city sited in western Turkey. Uh, in that inscription, we have the usage of the word gospel, and we have a reference to Augustus Caesar. It's called the Prean calendar inscription because it refers to the birthday of Augustus Caesar as the beginning of an era, the beginning of a new calendar, the beginning of a gospel announcing his kingdom that heralded peace and salvation for his people, and a Roman decree to start a new calendar system based on the year of Augustus Caesar's birthday. Calendar dating of history around a ruler is the principle by which the Julian calendar and the Georgian calendars are based. And so we have 2,029 years ago, or about five years or so before the birth of Jesus, we have this inscription written, dated 9 BC. And in the inscription, we have this Greek word, evangelion, which means good news or the gospel. Some people think this word is, is only a biblical word and that it was only first spoken by uh, believers in God or by the Lord himself. However, five years before Jesus was even born, this word was being broadcasted throughout the Roman Empire. And what they were trying to say is that the Evangelion, the good news, was connected to the Roman Empire. That it was a heralding of this arrival of a kingdom, the reign of a king that brought a war to an end, so that all people of the world who surrendered and pledged allegiance to this king would be granted salvation from destruction. I mean, that sounds a lot like the gospel message that we preach as Christians today. That was the gospel that was going out in that day. It was the gospel about an earthly kingdom, the kingdoms of this world. 
And so the calendar inscription of the Prean speaks of the birthday of Caesar Augustus as the beginning of the gospel announcing his kingdom with a Roman decree to start a new calendar system based on the year of Augustus Caesar's birth. Now, what is John Mark saying in the beginning of his recapitulation of the story of Jesus? He is saying these words. I'm going to read them again. The beginning of the Evangelion, or gospel, of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In other words, Mark is making a very remarkable statement in the culture of its day, which might be lost in the culture of our day. Because what he's saying is this, Jesus is thus heralded as the true king, who ends war by conquering people's allegiance. People owning him as Lord and Savior, and as a result, they receive salvation from destruction. Mark is contrasting Jesus as king and his kingdom with Rome and Caesar and the kingdoms of this world. What about Luke? Luke 1 and 1. Luke the physician, not a primary uh, person in the life of the Lord Jesus, but he is a, a great historian. And in the beginning of his book, Luke 1 and 1, this is what he writes. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. So Luke is not there in the very beginning, but he recognizes, like Mark, like Matthew, and like John, that this is a new beginning. This is a great beginning, and he goes to the eyewitnesses and to the servants from that era to understand and write the story of Jesus Christ. So what do these witnesses and servants tell Luke? Well, as we trace through the book, we know that one of the great themes is one of Jesus' greatest titles, and that title is him as Son of Man. And that's a very powerful title. Luke 5, we have from these eyewitnesses a quote from the Lord Jesus who said, but that you might know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to a paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and walk. So the eyewitnesses recognized that Jesus, as this title of Son of Man, had authority. And in Luke 24, the other thing we learn about this Son of Man in great detail is at the as the book comes to its close, Luke writes what the eyewitnesses tell him. He says, then Jesus led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hand, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. Now, if you study Daniel's vision of one like the Son of Man, you will know that these eyewitnesses saw Jesus as that description because that Son of Man ascended upwards and approached the Ancient of Days. And when he stood in the presence of the Ancient of Days, one of the things he received was authority. And so Luke has the vision here of this beginning, this one who had been promised and now finds its fulfillment, this title, in Jesus Christ. Now, when you think of this title of Son of Man, here's a very interesting comparison. Because God often works, as I mentioned, in cycles. To prove that he is at work, he will often repeat what he has previously done, but he will do it in a new way. So what is Luke saying with these eyewitnesses' accounts? I believe he says, Jesus ascends to God and he receives full authority. You see, it's the same throne room 
where the Ancient of Days reigned over Israel when he delivered them from slavery in Egypt through the Passover, making Israel the Exodus people. Do you not see that it's the same story being reestablished, but this time in a better way? We, we call that fulfillment. And that better way is seen in Jesus, who ascends into glory, approaches the Ancient of Days, and sits down next to him. He is the new Passover sacrifice. In the same place as the Ancient of Days reigned over his people and waited for the moment, and now he sits in that place and he waits for the moment when all his enemies will be made his footstool in order to consummate his kingdom in its fullness. And we call that new creation because ultimately David was promised that his kingdom would not just last to the end of a period of time. Ultimately, David was given a very, very significant promise. He was promised that his reign, his kingdom would last forever. And that fulfillment is found in Christ. So Luke picture clearly paints one who comes like a son of man, who ultimately reigns as a king, and who will ultimately see a kingdom in its full consummation. What about John as our last gospel? John 1 and 1. He's the last of the recapitulations, likely wrote it as an old man. He was the eyewitness himself. And so how does he begin? Interestingly, he begins the way the others began. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Those first three words are the same in the Septuagint of Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning. We would think that the very earliest part of our record is in the beginning God created. John tells us here, actually, there's a beginning that's more important. In the beginning was the Word, that's Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So what is John actually saying? John is telling us that this beginning supersedes the beginning that Moses wrote about. You say to yourself, how in the world can that be? Well, let me explain it from pop culture. Most generations have at least heard of the Star Wars story. It provides a very interesting parallel. Episode 4, 5, and 6 were the original trilogy series. That first movie came out in 1977. And it formed the origin story, the beginning, the genesis, the origin, or the beginning of things. Then later on, uh, after 22 years in 1999, George Lucas decided to then uh, unveil episode 1, 2, and 3. To any fan of Star Wars, the origin story will always be episode 4, 5, and 6. Those were the characters. Those were the stories that they loved. That formed the basis of the entire world by which those books or those movies were put together. And so when episode 1, 2, and 3 came out starting in 1999, they were not seen as a new origin story. They were seen as a backstory to the original. They formed a, a, a sort of a, a background to the very beginning. It developed the characters, it told us more of the story, it led us into how the origin story became what it became. And many fans enjoyed, maybe they were not so happy with things that they learned or things that they wanted to see, but they learned more about the story behind the origin story, the original. And then finally, George Lucas sold the franchise to Disney, became one of its major uh, uh, shareholders. And then Disney, wanting to make a lot of money, decided to unveil Episode 7, 8, and 9. And they began to be released in 2015. They formed the consummation of the story. They never replaced its origin. All they did was they told us where the origin story 
ended up. And they developed the characters further, and they brought the story to some form of conclusion. I think this pop culture example helps to explain the true history of the Bible. You see, the origin story, as I mentioned before, is not Adam and Eve. That's the backstory. The origin story is all about the Lord Jesus Christ. See, going back to the pre calendar inscription one last time, interestingly enough, our current calendar today points to the true beginning, doesn't it? It's the Christ event. What comes before it? Well, we often use the word B.C. B.C. is an English word that means before Christ. What comes after it? Well, we use the word A.D. So in the era that we live in now, we live in 2020 A.D. A.D. is not an English word, a phrase. It's actually a Latin phrase. It means Anno Domini, but it means in the year of the Lord. You see, the pre-encalendar inscription is still in the museum in Berlin. And though it's 2,029 years old, that inscription is actually wrong. You see, Caesar Augustus is not the center of human history, and neither was his empire. The Evangelion, the good news of Rome, actually came to a very sad conclusion and to a sad end. The Evangelion that has survived almost 2,000 years is the good news that is preached by Christians. And what is that good news? The good news is that Jesus is the King. The good news is that He is the beginning of new creation seen in His resurrection, that He is going to make all things new, that He has done away with sin and death and destruction. And the good news is that His kingdom and his reign will be forever. So when you think about the beginning or new beginning ever again in the context of Scripture, remember, Genesis is the backstory. It's your episode 1, 2, and 3. Revelation is the consummation. It is episode 7, 8, and 9. But the origin story, that's the best part of biblical history. The origin story is the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why we have four recapitulations, because there is no story in God's Word that is more important than the story of the Christ event, His birth, His life, His death, His burial, His resurrection, and His ascension into glory. And so I trust that we will be encouraged and challenged to share this gospel, Evangelion, with a broken world. I also hope that we will be willing to read the Bible through the lens of these four evangelists, and that is to place the Christ event as the true origin story, allowing the rest of Scripture, the past, the present, and the future, to speak through our Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless His Word.